This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey everyone, this is Chris. Ahoy hoy, this is Jesse. That's going to become relevant and topical very shortly. Nice. You, you lead the charge with that. I just like to make an announcement. We just right before we were talking, right before we started recording, <laughs> and just would like to let the world know that Steve Peterson, our very own Steve Peterson here at the Geology Flannel Cast, was voted Geology Fuel Camper of the Year back <laughs> yeah. in what year is this? Uh, I believe it was 2008. 2008. Good that's, for you. Congratulations. Fuel I mean, Camper thanks. of the Year. It's a title no one can take away from you. Yeah, uh, Pr- uh, Price Waterhouse was tabulating the results, and I just got them in. So, <laughs> <laughs> and impressed with Pete. There's been a lot of challenges to that, to that vote. <laughs> uh, so, but thanks, Chris. Yes, I, I appreciate that. Congratulations to you for that. Uh, I have a thirty to forty-five minute speech prepared. If that's cool. <laughs> You got an internship out. They, did they give you like a, a certificate or anything when you got this? I got a you? rock hammer. They give you a rock hammer. Yeah. That's wow. nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. So, That's awesome. yeah, I was pumped, pumped about that. You still have it? Uh, I do. Uh, unfortunately, I turned it into a fighting robot. Uh, <laughs> I would have I put that in one of those. Um, no, I had it like uh, like in a, in a place of case. honor. I had it yeah, in the place of honor for a while, and then I was like, "Well, it's a rock hammer. It needs to be used." Two thousand eight. Yeah, but right, listen, I guess it, that was a tumultuous time. Uh, was it? So, was the was the hammer harmed when you made your battle bot? No. Well, I had to drill a hole in it. So drill yes, yeah. But no, some some lady almost died of hypothermia. I had to like, like, legit do first aid and. Take my shirt off and, on your field yeah. camp. Yeah, you never told me this story. Share this is, share my this body heat with this person. Yeah. <laughs> but how real fast in two, in in thirty seconds? What happened? Uh, uh, so it was raining at low altitudes and like fifty degrees when we first set off. Then we had to hike up a mountain to map it, and it was snowing yeah. and below freezing, obviously. So we were all wet to begin with, and then it went to snow, and then most of us like were acclimatized to it, but this person just wasn't prepared and didn't have the proper layers on. And then when we're hiking back down, she just passed out of hypothermia, and we had to do like emergency evacuation, and yeah, it was pretty nuts. Wow. Probably, yeah. Me, it wasn't just me. It was a few of us, so like probably saved that lady's life, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and and it earned you feel. No, camping. no, no. That I don't think anybody cared about that. I think it was just like, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. No, All this right, was but... more of like who who was the best like camp mate. You you, you were, we're living out of a tent for six weeks, so like you know, I'm cutting firewood. I'm. Well, I just would like to let you know today is um, January eleventh, twenty twenty three. I would like to nominate you as flannel caster of the year. <gasps> oh, boy, that's an early, early nomination there. It is, buddy. But, but you know what? I'll second it. Oh. It's for twenty twenty two. Oh, for last year. Oh, well, I'll nominate him for this year. Oh, well. <laughs> 
back-to-back nominations i'm i'm honored <laughs> wow 11 yeah, days in blow. you already got the the don't blow it 2023 <laughs> anyway well th- thank you for <laughs> for surprising me with that I, where the heck did that come from it has nothing to do with our topic for today by the way nothing to do with our topic i it was just amazing news. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen steve peterson never ceases to amaze me i've known this man for many many years now <laughs> Never, never ceases to amaze me. All right, let's get into the uh, enough bantering. Let's get into the the meat of today's topic. Um, we're talking about the oceans today, Earth oceans specifically, um, N- not Billy Ocean. I was very depressed to find that out. I don't even know what is Billy. What is that? Billy Ocean? I don't know what that is. He's a rock star. Um, can't be that big of a rock star. Oh, re- really? I, 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 I live in a cave, I mean, man. I, I'm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get out of my dreams and in, get into my car. Yeah. Come on. Oh, oh that man. song. Okay. I didn't know who did that. Okay. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Oh. Anyways, classic. Yeah. Oceans. Uh, so we got um, we got some serious amounts of water on Earth. And we break them up into ocean. So, oh, that's what we're we're going to start off with uh, the definition of of ocean, right? Oh, I I was sort of joking about that, but I'll, I'll give it to you again <laughs> if you want. <laughs> I thought you were serious. You said you said I'll start off with the definition of ocean. Oh, yeah, I was making a joke about how unprepared I was. Uh, it's a very large expanse of sea. Uh, in particular. Each of the main areas in which to the sea is divided geographically. So this is actually that's a terrible know. definition. Yeah, I'm going. I'm just telling you what uh, I'm trying to see where that's from. I think that that's Webster. From, that's not a Webster definition. No, it's a it's a Google. No, the other one is the sea or a very large expanse or quantity because you can have an ocean of something. But it is actually it's huh. not. Merriam-Webster is a whole body of salt water that covers nearly three-fourths of the surface of the Earth. It doesn't have the Earth capitalized either. Um, got a lot of, lot of thoughts about that. Um, but this there is sort of a question, right, or a little bit of a argument. You know, it is the ocean, is it a single body of water? And then we just divide things up. Yeah. I, you know, as a kid, you know, like middle school, I always thought like, well, where's the line between the Atlantic and the Pacific? And you can kind of like draw a line there in South America, but then like, where's the line between the Atlantic and the Indian? Yeah. Where's the line between the Atlantic and the, but I'm, I keep saying Atlantic because I'm on the East coast and that's just my frame of reference. Yeah. Um, where's the line but, between the Arctic? The, yeah. Or the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian and the Southern ocean. The Southern Ocean. The Southern. Oh, you yeah. are ruining what yeah. I have. <laughs> oh, sorry. We'll cut no, it. It's in, in post-production. We'll cut it. <laughs> Nothing's getting cut with this one, buddy. <laughs> it's all gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, there's one. There's one body of water on Earth, but we just kind of break it up into now five of them. Um, so well, you got the Pacific. Which is the biggest, and then next is the Atlantic. And actually, where does the southern form for size? Um, I got it right here. 
So, uh, so the Pacific's obviously the biggest. So the air, uh, the Pacific Ocean takes up 166 million square kilometers. The Atlantic Ocean is 87 million square kilometers. So the uh, Pacific Ocean is roughly twice as large as the Atlantic. Uh, then in third place, you got the Indian, which Indian Ocean, uh, that's 73 million square kilometers. Uh, the Southern Ocean, which is 20 million square kilometers. And finally, last but not least, good friend of the podcast, great ocean as well, the Arctic Ocean, uh, 14 million square kilometers. All right. Now you're talking to an old person right here. What is the Southern Ocean? Oh, Baloney. thank you for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah, there Steve. we go. So it wasn't officially recognized until the year 2000. Back uh, in my day. It's been talked about for a while. It's been talked about going back into like the, how oh, was it? Um, I had the stat in the 1930s. It was recognized and then it got rescinded. They're like, get rid of that Southern Ocean thing. But uh, we'll just go with the year 2000. In year 2000, the boundaries of the Southern Ocean were submitted to the International Hydro, uh, Hy- uh, ah, excuse me, Hydrographic Organization, um, and that is the um, which I'm the official. The, you remember? You know, I'm <laughs> the, <laughs> I am the IHO. Um, <laughs> that's like the official organization that uh, recognizes the oceans. So. A little bit, uh, a little bit controversial. There's still, there's still a couple countries that don't recognize the Southern Ocean. I don't have which ones those are, but the United States recognizes the Southern Ocean, and it basically wraps around Antarctica. Um, it goes to 60 degrees south latitude, um, and there's a little bit. It it goes up to that 60 degree latitude mark, but there's a little bit around the Drake Passage that it kind of like cuts in a little bit. Um, so it's not like. Uh, it doesn't follow exactly along that uh that, Is that line like a of latitude. taxation thing like who cares what's the and then and there's a little bit anything goes in the southern ocean <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that's where pirates live like i don't understand <laughs> no i mean you, the currents are different down because you have you have the circumpolar current which is kind of like wraps around the globe so you get like this i assume that's <clears throat> aside from it being really cold, mm. cold, cold water. Yeah, you get down what's, in those. Ro- what's cooler roaring, than being cool? Roaring forties, ice cold, ice cold. Thanks, roaring forties, the fighting fifties, the swinging sixties. Yeah, You're just making this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, is? Oh, I had the article, and I'm now, of course, I can't find it. Yeah, the up. Oh, no, it's the end. Anyways, um, yeah, I knew the Pacific Ocean was big. I didn't realize it was it was twice as big as the next one. In terms of yeah, in terms of in terms of surface area, yeah, surface area. Who, who knows about volume? But I'm assuming volume goes oh, goes. Uh, if you want those numbers, too. Uh, I do have those numbers. It did come because the numbers. Marianas Trench is in. That's on the edge between the Pacific and the Indian, right? Um. No, it's, it's just past that archipelago to it's, the uh, yeah the the Marianas Trench like uh, well the, it's right off of Guam basically or that's where the Challenger Deep Mar- is not too far from there or it's yeah the Mariana Islands its namesake <laughs> um how about the okay so those are the oceans I thought I had the volume the volume I'll find it in a second it's a lot but, do you have the average depths I have the average depth of each ocean yeah yeah let's do it yeah all right. 
The average depth now of the Pacific Ocean is 4,282 meters. Wow. And then what's that in feet? Oh, come on, feet. That's like uh what was it? Four thousand two. What did you give it to it me the again? Average, it's like fourteen fourteen thousand feet. Pacific, yeah, just right? give it to me again. I'll I'll, I'll okay, convert. Here we go. I'll do uh metric. How many African get... elephants would that be? End on end. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> ignore that for right now. Uh, okay, Pacific forty two eighty two four thousand two hundred eighty two meters deep on average. That oh, yeah. is fourteen thousand forty eight feet. Nice. Okay, in second place, you know what the second deepest ocean is on average? Oh, I'm gonna guess the Arctic. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's the southern. It's. I still uh, don't. I'm still not sure if I'm recognizing it. I might be one of those countries <laughs> that doesn't recognize it. But I want to become on. a part of the IOC or what is what is it? The o- IHO. IHO. IOC. I want to become part of the Olympic International Olympic <laughs> Committee <laughs> that determines where the oceans are. <laughs> Just put me on committees. I'm ready. <laughs> I love Sounds going good. to meetings. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so what? Give me uh, the Southern Ocean. <laughs> You say you like going to meetings. Yeah. Said nobody ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Southern's four thousand meters deep on average. So that's, that's thir- like thirteen and change. Thirteen thousand one hundred and twenty-three. All right. Uh, the Atlantic is in third place for average depth. Uh, uh, Three thousand nine hundred and twenty-six. Thanks a lot, Mid Atlantic Ridge. Yeah, really dragging us up. Actually, huh? I take that back. Excuse me. I excuse me. I am wrong. The Indian Ocean is is deeper on average than the Atlantic. Oh. Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, the Indian Ocean is three thousand nine hundred sixty-three meters on average. That's thirteen thousand one. Just made it over thirteen thousand. And then the Atlantic is in fourth place at thirty-nine twenty-six meters. Twelve twelve thousand eight hundred and eighty. And. Last but not least, good old Arctic Ocean. Oh, yeah, I knew the Arctic was shallow. 1,205. I guess a lot of passive margins in the Arctic. Yeah, they they all sort of meet up there, all the passive margins. Like all the... There's there's no real trench in the the Arctic. I guess the Aleutians, but... That's not... That's still the Pacific, right? Not in my book. Yeah, because you're above the Bering Strait to get to the Arctic yeah. Ocean. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, so there you have it for the uh, the average depths of the uh, the oceans. Uh, let's look up uh, the volumes of the oceans. This is uh, I got the volume of all the water on Earth. You are all of the oceans on Earth. Yeah, do it. Lay it on me. Why find the uh? Okay. All of the oceans combined, the volume is 1.37 billion cubic kilometers. So what what does that mean? It means it's a crap ton of water, man. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying like how many of my bathtubs would that fill up? A couple, right? uh, That would be... It'd be then be I can tell you right now it'd be more than one billion bathtubs. I can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a lot of water. There's uh, you know, and then if you want to talk about some other statistics, uh, I mean, 71%... just 
just sorry. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna say just like real quick. I'm, are you gonna talk about freshwater to saltwater? Because I used to give a a stat where if you took like all the fresh water on Earth and and put it in the ocean, it would it would fill up. I think the Atlantic Ocean till it was like a foot deep or something. <laughs> it's there's so very little. Say freshwater. Uh, yeah, in terms of freshwater, we include an ice with that as well. Ah, uh, I, you can, I guess. I, I didn't in that little. So, in terms of distribution, well, here we go. Here's here's some more raw numbers. You can't argue with the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. In terms of distribution of the Earth's water, ninety-seven percent of it is in the oceans. Powerful oceans. Uh, ice is two percent. And then um, I don't think this adds up to 100, though. There must be other stuff. Uh, groundwater is 0.6%. Uh, uh, the rest to be water vapor. Yeah. Yeah. Atmosphere, lakes, yeah. rivers, surface water, 0.01%. Uh, yeah. So roughly speaking, there's a, I mean, you got a lot of stuff too. Uh, you uh, maybe, maybe they're talking about uh, hydrous minerals or something carrying the rest. Yeah. And in terms of, in terms here, I'm looking at another chart here. In terms of uh, fresh water, ice caps, glaciers, and permanent snow make up 68.7% of fresh water. And the, uh, yeah, it's it mostly, it's all locked up in ice. You can't, most of it's locked up in ice. Um, and uh, she's even going to, how do you calculate biological water? 0.003% of fresh water is biological. And that's just like water that's inside living organisms. But You and me. Yeah. Wonder- it seems like a small percentage, honestly. You think like rainforests and all the critters on the planet. It's pretty- I'm always surprised at how little rivers make up of fresh water. Rivers make up of all the, the total amount of fresh water on Earth. Rivers are 0.006%. Ah, think about it. Think about a map. Like you just got like those little tiny little. I know. I know. I'm not arguing with it, but it's just like one of those things where it's like, wow, that is a. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you're driving over a bridge over a river and you're like, holy crap, that's only like 0.00 something percent of. Yeah. All the water, fresh water on the world and the planet. Yeah. You have, according to this chart I'm looking at, you have more swamp water than you have river water. Swamp water is 0.03%. River water is 0.006%. I wonder if they count swamp water as like bays, like back bays and things like that. Oh, that's brackish. Where do they draw the line? Oh! Well, actually, there is there is a definition for There it. is a definition. There is a definition. And, uh, and we're you know, the geology flannel cast. We, we parts, touch the topics uh, that no one dares to. So, yeah. Tell you what, swamp waters doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> it does not. Does not sound like something I'd want to drink. What was the episode we were talking about swamp gas? Was that a Halloween episode? I I believe that was a Halloween episode. Paranormal stuff. Yes. Stuff, swamp gas and swamp gas. Sounds it. Uh, <laughs> swamp gas. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's see. I thought I had. I'm still looking for the volume of water in each ocean but i'm i don't know maybe we're not gonna uh maybe we won't talk about that um all right so so here we go there's some ocean statistics so the uh 
if you Halloween look at just episode was one fourteen, by the way. One fourteen, excellent. Back in twenty twenty one, though, so it was two years ago. We didn't do a Halloween for twenty twenty two, did we? We didn't. No. Um. So the average ocean depth, and figure we kind of talked about that, but the, for all of the oceans in general, the average depth is thirty eight hundred meters, which is twelve thousand five hundred feet. And um, let's go into this since we're just. Uh, you know, uh, going off some fun um, some statistics here. The deepest point, we already talked about this, uh, the Challenger Deep of the Marianas Trench, uh, 10,920 meters deep or 36,200 feet deep. It's pretty deep. Uh, it's, how, uh, how tall is Everest? 29,000. It depends. Uh, they just redid the. It used, it's, yeah. it's basically 20. It's really close to 29,000 feet, even. Uh, it, I think it's yeah, 29,000. 20, it used to be 29,029. 29. I think yeah. they just changed it to 29,000, like 31 or something, right? You know, the story about when the, um, when the Brits first um, surveyed Everest. Did we ever talk about this on the podcast? We have. Yes. They purposely. Maybe that's where I learned it from was this podcast. But if you, if you for the listeners, if you're not aware of it, when the British were first uh, surveying Everest, uh, they knew this thing was big. But um, the surveyors they counted for uh, atmospheric distortions uh, of of light, basically, and all that stuff. And then this was in the 1800s, and they're just you know they didn't have fancy you know satellites or any any type of fancy remote sensing or anything like that. So they surveyed it to be. Uh, where they get it to 29,000 feet even right yeah and it came like on the dot 29,000 feet and they're like no one's going to believe us so I, I believe the number they they said in their in their official report they 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 futzed the numbers a little bit they said it was 29,013 feet tall so that people would be more likely to believe that number yeah we talked about this in episode 73 back That's in kind of crazy December of 2020 yeah. Uh, what was what was the title of that one? How did you know that that we talked about that in episode seventy? <laughs> uh really old meteorites, height of Everest, and aliens. Oh, okay. I guess we did talk about. I, that. I don't know if that's the official title. That's that's what I have in my list. So yeah, okay. There you go. In-house statistician Steve Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. I got my list back up to date. It was it was really throwing me off the last couple of weeks. <laughs> it wasn't up to date. Yeah, man. I, I could uh, I could imagine. So, um, all right. So do you want to get into the parts of the ocean floor? Or do you want to get into what, what do you want to, what do you guys, uh, we got this, we got this nice outline that I'm holding right now in my hands. How did I format this, Steve? Oh, I don't know. Oh, wait, but if I, if that's I my cue. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, uh, but legit. Chris does have a paper, like papers in his hand, um, that I'm sure he typed out in, a word document that was perfectly formatted by our friends at the formatting formula. So www.formattingformula.com. Or if you want to teach yourself, you can watch our YouTube videos at YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. Um, they have very the, on YouTube. Like I, I know I talk about how great they are and I, I send them stuff and they fix it for me, but their YouTube videos are actually really very well paced. Um, nice, soothing voice. Just, talks you through the process um it's it's not 
too fast where you have to keep pausing it, but it's not too slow where you're like, all right, come on, get get on with it. It's actually very well paced on how to do each little individual step in Word. Um, and, they, you know, they have different versions of Word just in case you have different versions of Word. Um, so check them out at uh, YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, type in a little comment there. Tell them they have for, uh, no, not the formatting formula sent you, that the geology flannel cast sent you. So, again, formattingformula.com. Can't say enough good things about them. Thank you for being our sponsor. And back to you, Chris, and your paper outline. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Steve. Um, so, uh, so one of the things that was some of the other basic facts about the oceans that we didn't talk about yet. Uh, seventy-one percent of Earth's surface is is uh, the ocean. So it's, I always, I tend to just roughly always say three quarters because it's a nice easy number to remember. But it, yeah, seventy-one percent of the Earth's surface is ocean. Twenty-nine percent of the Earth is land. Um. Most of the ocean's surface area is in the Southern Hemisphere. You got 81% of the Southern Hemisphere is made of ocean. 61% of the Northern Hemisphere is ocean. More landmass in the North. So that's why that happens. It's also where the um, vast majority of the human population lives up in the uh, in the Northern Hemisphere because that's just where all the continents tend to hang out. That's where all the action um, happens. That's it. That's where the action happens. So... Um, I guess we go into the, the parts of the ocean floor. Start off. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Let's go. Classic, classic oceanography right here. Right. Um, so you start off the, the shallowest part of the ocean is the continental shelf. Uh, it doesn't really have that steep of a slope, slope about less, less than uh, one degree. Um, this is the part of the ocean that gets uh, flooded and exposed when there are changes in sea level. So uh, what can cause changes in sea level? Ice ages, things like that. Uh, it's basically sucking out the uh, the water out of the ocean, storing it on land as ice. Um, that's going to cause your, uh, your eustatic sea level to drop down. So when you have an ice age, uh, more of the continental shelf is exposed and when the glaciers are melting, uh, it get the continents get flooded out even more. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's other ways to change sea level too. But Tec we get tectonics too. We can tectonics, get into... <clears throat> sedimentation. If yeah. you, um, you can get it from groundwater storage, right? You can you can alter the sea level. Through groundwater storage, fun fact. So that would involve, you'd have to have just the right conditions. So a couple of years yeah. ago, Australia, and it's it's usually it's it's low magnitude in short term, but it, mm -hmm. it can. A couple of years ago, Australia got it hit had to by be climate driven. Yeah, a couple a couple of years ago, Australia got hit by they they had a, a bunch of really big storms that caused a lot of major flooding. I don't mm -hmm. know if y'all remember the floods yeah. in Australia, and uh, this is before or after it burned. Before, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was pre-COVID. So, yeah, well, I want to say twenty seventeen, twenty some yeah, sometime. That sounds, around. that sounds about right. Yeah, um, and Australia essentially, you know, uh, 
to some extent was like it, it is like a big basin it's it's like a big bowl and so all of the rain kind of drained more or less into the center i'm oversimplifying this so if you have you know if you're big into how water moves in australia good day yeah okay uh <laughs> anywho the the water got locked up on on land for for a bit and it it infiltrated before then moving as groundwater and then eventually making its way back out to the ocean but there was a noticeable change because we monitor such things we're monitoring sea level and um we, we could actually detect uh sea level ceased to rise because it's 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 always it's it's currently globally rising just about everywhere um because we're melting all the ice and because we're heating it up but actually so much got removed and stored on australia that for like the three months after those storms if you looked at the sea level curve off the coast of australia you could see it actually plateau before the water went back into the ocean and rose again neat kind of, wow. kind of interesting yeah yeah acted like a sponge holding it there yeah. for a little while then yeah it was it was like a it was a measurable as a quantifiable sort of change pretty neat well that's my story yeah i'm sure the people right. in australia didn't think it was neat but no no <laughs> So back to the the continental shelf. Um, continental shelf still part of the continent. Um, hence the uh, name. On, on uh, wait, what did you say? <laughs> I said hence the name. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, again, Steve with his witty comments there. Uh, the continental <laughs> shelf extends about uh, on average eighty kilometers from the coast, but it can vary. Um, depending on where you're at and some places have like hardly any continental shelf. If you're at a, if you have an active tectonic boundary, um, you're going to dip down into trenches pretty fast. You're not going to have that. You're not going to have a, a wide continental shelf. The wide continental shelf is going to come from passive, nice, quiet, passive margins. Yeah. We have some Patreon friends who are on the, the West coast and yes. th- their, uh, their continental margin is short. I, I was going to say continental uh, margin deprived. Perhaps I was, yeah, I was going to say lackluster. Yeah, <laughs> but that, we also have some patrons here on the East Coast who are like, ah, look at these nice beaches, passive margin. Yeah. So you're gonna. This is also where uh, you're going to get the majority of the life in the oceans are going to kind of are going to hang out in the along the continental shelf for a couple different reasons. Number one. Um, it's in the photic zone. So you can go down, go down really, really, really deep into the ocean and to the point where sunlight can't even, um, penetrate anymore. So if that happens, how deep is that? How deep is it? Uh, 200 meters, right? Really? On the button. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm doubting you like those British scientists who measured Everest. (laughs) I I thought it was much shallower than two. Yeah, I thought two hundred meters. That's I was gonna, I thought it was zone. like 50, 50 meters. 
photic zone 200 meters it, dep- it really depends on where you're at too the turbidity yeah and how water. much craps in the water yeah the photic zone in the caribbean sea is going to be much deeper than the photic zone say in the chesapeake off the chesapeake bay or off the amazon or something yeah where you have a lot of particulate matter a lot of organic matter to scatter that light but yeah I, I, i'm no, we're not trying to we're not trying to i believe you i do chris yeah but not really on average 200 meters <laughs> Is this where we're gonna do nitpick? I just said fifty numbers before this. You didn't say a single peep. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna. What is what's the thing? What's the disc called? The measures turbidity. The measures. Oh, Nietzsche. Uh, no. Uh, um, Sechi Sech, disc. Niskin discs, or I thought it was a Sechi. Set, I have no know. idea what the name of this thing is. It, it's uh, it's a it's basically a circle that's broken up into four quadrants. You have black and white quadrants. And you, you put it down into the water until you can't differentiate between the black and the white. That That's the depth of which you can... I, I thought it was a sechy disc, but... I think you might be right. Um, it's one of those, like, super scientific measurements that kind of seems arbitrary, but it actually is, like, repeatable, quantifiable. Wow. I don't think... I've never measured turbidity in my life. Uh, yeah. there, you get you can also measure it with like actual quantitative um instruments, and they call it the the you measure it in NTU's national uh, national turbidity units, which is again s- slightly it's like one of those non units, but um in the field of uh environmental science hydrology, like you, you use turbidity units all the time because you want to know how much how much crap's in the water anything anything less than 10 is considered to be clear um you know obviously you you want it to be zero which would be crystal clear but um anything over 10 means you, you just you have a little bit of cloudiness to your water that and what is causing that cloudiness you don't know is it actually particulates is it organic like all that stuff so yeah, Sechi disc. It is Sechi disc. Yeah, ah, win one for Steve. Nailed it. Anyway, so we're real deep in the photic zone here. At least two hundred. Yeah, two hundred meters, man. Like, like uh, up here in the northeast, if you can get down to like ten meters and still see that disc, God bless you. I tell you where <laughs> I don't go below the photic zone. Can't see what's down there. No, you don't want to go down below. The <laughs> yeah, you, you go know. to the Jersey. Go to the Jersey Shore. The photic zone is like a meter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I'm going to look this number up. I just saw the record of the deepest free dive. It's oh, I'm, I'm going to look it up. Oh man, Th- those people are insane. Mm, like yeah. the depths they go are not like they have to like decompress. They go so deep, and yeah, they have, they have to like they're on like. The, the ropes that like rapidly bring them up. I don't know. It's I don't crazy. know if they have to worry about like the bends or like because, no, because they're, they're not, not breathing. breathing. They're not yeah. breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here it is. Free diving. Oh, um, let's see. It is. Uh, come on. Give me the exact number here. What, what, what do you guys think it would be? Uh, it's something stupid, like 300 meters or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I, I know I guess, it gets dark. I, I've I seen was going to say 120. Um, Are you watching a video? I see the screen. <laughs> Have you seen no, those videos? They're crazy. I they they are it's I can't even imagine it's uh talking something like eight hundred feet, Blah. something uh crazy going. I've down. got just real quickly here seven hundred yeah two hundred fourteen meters. Yeah, yeah. The deep diving holy grail is three hundred meters. Yeah. I can't even. <laughs> Wait, why do they want to go down to three hundred? Wait, see, going down to three hundred. That's just that's just what the on the Wikipedia deep diving. Yeah, I mean they they page. like hold a weight to pull them down, and then usually they have some sort of like balloon that they inflate to pull them back up, right? I don't really know anything about deep about free diving. I just I mean, know is if you can get down to seven hundred and two meter or seven hundred and two feet, excuse me. <laughs> that's crazy. That, that's crazy. I mean, we uh, a while ago we talked. Remember that movie we talked about <clears throat> the documentary Last Breath? Oh yeah, you told me about it. Now watch it. It oh. is intense. Oh, about the uh, the saturation divers, the saturation divers in the North Sea who work on the you know the oil rigs and the oil platforms Pipeline, or, yeah they're only they're only down 100 meters so these dummies free diving are going two <laughs> and a half times that now wow. the north sea is a different beast because right. it's it's colder Cold. water yeah so it's have it's denser and there's a lot more going on but goodness yeah 702 get out of here yeah um Anyways, I don't know what that has to do with the continental shelf, but uh, actually, uh, oh yeah, how did we get here? Oh, photic zone. You were lying to us about the that. Actually, zone. you on average the yeah the continental shelf on average you're looking at like a you not it's like less than two hundred meters. It's most it's still within the photic zone. Um, so this guy theoretically could have dove down to the deepest part of the continental shelf and then some. I don't know where he did this at. Uh, as you say, where is no, but it's um, but yeah, it's uh, down there. But think about it our continental shelf, our passive margins there, and that photic zone being 200 meters that's where life evolved. Like that, that's that's where most life came from. Like, without without that, where would we be right now? Well, that's a, I, I mean, that's a. Uh, no one really knows where the life evolved. A, you know, came a deep from, like, dive of a question. <laughs> Ooh. That's a good pun there. Uh, no, we did the uh, when we did the origin of life episode back. Uh, episode eighty six. Episode eighty six. Yeah, wow. back in uh, March of twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm one. listening. I <laughs> I remember. I never thought about this. Like thinking about it like this before. I mean, I've never really thought too much about like though never never uh spent too much time thinking about the origin of life before we researched for that podcast but the one source i was reading says i remember saying it, we don't you know we don't know how many times life could have evolved like to start i mean like well like to to begin it right. could have began and then failed began failed it oh, that yeah. could have happened a hundred times oh, and yeah. it could have also you know spontaneously started at 15 different places all over the earth, you know, at different times. Yeah. Um, Great filter to harken back to our alien episode. 
like the the start of evolution from you know simple life to get over the hump to to complex life mm-hmm. yeah so it could have started and stopped and started and stopped like you were saying but yeah. uh life started and died out i like where you go away <laughs> there you go um all right so moving through the continental shelf so apparently humans can free dive to the bottom of the continental shelf and still survive kudos to what's this guy's name herbert niche niche people die all the time doing this yeah you do it at your own risk we don't i'm not doing this i don't (laughs) recommend it no first off the deep ocean is scary yeah i don't know what's down there yeah um Oh, we're talking about the the most of the life lives in the along the continental shelf. That's what we were talking about. Um, yeah. Also, this you get a lot of the. Why do we get that? Because it's in the photic zone. That's what we're talking about. They're in the photic zone. Also, you get a lot of nutrients uh, in that in that part of the ocean. Um, you know, because it's shedding off the continents. Yeah, it's shedding off the continents from rivers and stuff like that. And also, it's it's not deep enough that everything's just going to sink down into the like you know to the bottom. It's uh, so. Yeah, anyway, we still have uh, carbonate forming critters and things like that like you get you get too deep and then that carbonate can't precipitate anymore yeah yeah. or participate either one (laughs) i guess it can't participate yeah Yeah. carbon is done participating (laughs) so where does the continental shelf end at the shelf break and on average that's about 135 meters deep and that's where we transition into the continental slope so there, the slope's going to increase. It's going to kick back to a whopping four degrees. <laughs> that's, uh, that's then, my kind of weather. Yeah, and then we're looking at depths of about uh, where that ends down to about three thousand to five thousand meters. So what's what's that? In, what's that in feet, Jesse? You still have the 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 conversion thing up? Three thousand meters. Or that's like ten thousand feet, right? We're looking somewhere ten. 9,842. All right. And then 5,000, you said three to five? Yeah, three to five. Five is 16,404. This is some deep depths. Um, so that's the continental slope. Um, you get, uh, I guess, talk about turbidites briefly, rolling down the continental slope onto the rise. Gravity yeah. driven. Enjoy a good old turbidity current. Friend of the podcast. Good. Uh, Good. We did a, we did a, a turbidite episode, like number four, maybe? No, episode 20, 24. <laughs> I think it's, it's back it's in gone. May. Yeah, we did it on my birthday, May 20th, 2015. You can only get it if you're a Patreon. Yes, that is that is correct. Uh, the older ones, you got to be a Patreon member to get to. Um, the slope then transitions into the continental rise, and this is where we start to get the continental crust meeting the ocean floor. Like we get like legit oceanic crust now at this point. The slope kicks back to less than one degree. Um, and then that kind of extends back out to the abyssal plain. This is like the deep, deep stuff, the deep, deep ocean floor. Um I never thought about this until I read this recently. The abyssal plain is the flattest part of Earth. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of the Abyssal Plane. 
it's kind of like it's there. I don't know. Uh, I I always think of it as like it's just big one big vast plane of 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 bones skeletons. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's just dead critters. About everything in the ocean, they die. They end up in the abyssal plane. The the abyssal plane, as far as like surface area of the ocean. Of the be a lot cooler if we called it the the boneyard. <laughs> Let's talk to that uh, international hydrographic people and and <laughs> ask if we can change the abyssal plane to the boneyard. It, it's a, it's a yeah. It's Come down off to the, say that. Yeah, the slope, the rise onto the boneyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing too, you get a lot of you get. Well, I mean. Sediment accumulates very, 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 very slowly in the abyssal plain. I know in the uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, one of the well, a large uh, one of a contributor to the sediment is uh, dust from Saharan sandstorm blowing out there. Yeah, just like Kansas said, All and uh, dust in the wind, <laughs> micrometeorites, meteorites, Mike, yeah. The, the meteorite dust from burning up this what is, is it uh it's a centimeter a millimeter a year it's a meter per thousand years right is yeah the, so the uh, i thought it was slower than that i thought it was slower than that it might be, it might be. i thought it was something like several millimeters per ten thousand years of meteorite dust. I don't think it's that slow. It might be. Is it a meter per million years? Which would be a few millimeters per thousand years. You might be. Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds should, more realistic. I should know this, and it's embarrassing that I don't. You should be embarrassed. Go yeah. stand in the corner. Well, and it. I mean, it goes to show when you. <clears throat> so when you see, say, outcrops of of limestone or shale that's all forming in in the deep ocean um maybe limestone not so i was much. gonna say limestone maybe yeah not, but 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 shale and mudstone they're gonna be forming in the deep ocean a shale a red shale or or black shale most likely out. in the ocean yeah you can most form other wares but yeah they can yeah the the main the main place they form yeah is going to be in the deep ocean in the abyssal plain and so the boneyard yeah in the <laughs> boneyard so when you you know when it, if you know you have an outcrop of, of shale that's forming in the deep water and you would look at the faces right you look at what's above and below and if you see other marine sort of things and it's and there's not a lot of bioturbation because if it was you know a back bay or something with low energy you would have a lot more fossils and and bioturbation but in this case like you know you can have tens of meters of outcrop of 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 shale and it's just kind of crazy how long that takes to form yeah because it's and and i never thought about it before but how much of that is meteorite dust (laughs) yeah it's aliens aliens man (laughs) Yeah, volcanics, meteorite dusts, you know, dust in the wind. 
uh, but mostly bones, mostly corpses, just uh, just piled up corpses. So I'm seeing some numbers here uh, of like uh, like a centimeter, somewhere around like a centimeter or so per thousand years. Yeah, that's I think that's, that's right. Old, yeah. Wait for for total buildup, not meteorite dust buildup, though. Not no, meteorite. no, no, total. Yes. Buildup. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Total buildup. Yeah. So that's the yeah, stuff, so that... just a couple of sites that I, I looked at real fast. Yeah. Uh, so that's. But that's, uh, that's you why said you have a, that a, centim- a centimeter for a thousand years. Yeah. So ten hundred thousand. So it'd be a meter per million years. Meter. Okay. Yeah. Here's uh, another one. That says centimeter per thousand years. Uh, do we ever figure out what happens with the manganese nodules? Like, how do they build up? Or is that is that still a mystery? Sorry, ten meters per million. Uh, so manganese nodules. <clears throat> So just um, just real real quick, there's these like, I don't know, potato size nodules of manganese rich ore on the bottom of the seafloor, and it, you know, again, this was a decade ago, still didn't really understand how that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's just there, there's still <clears throat> just different hypotheses for how it forms. Whether or not it's direct precipitation of the of the metals from seawater, or if they're getting mobilized, yeah, like, you know, there were some there were some hypotheses of like fish swimming by, like rolled them over, and that's how yeah, they it's became. Like, you like, ever see the uh, the the rocks in Death Valley? No one could figure out for the longest time how oh, those things were slipping. The, the oh, slide. No. <laughs> they Just, they figured it out. Yeah, wet it's, clay. It's, it's wet clay and wind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Race track valley, according race to track valley. Yeah, thank you, Garrison. <laughs> um, manganese nodules. Just a really side story here. The Glomar um, Explorer. Yeah, yeah. I know we talked about this several times on the podcast. I, but it's, it's such an interesting a, story. It really is. <laughs> what is this? We, great. I don't remember this. Refresh Ooh. my memory. Uh, Jesse was just talking about this dude. Prior to Howard Hughes. Howard That's Hughes. Why I, because when we said about the ocean, like for some reason, it's the first thing I thought, like the deep ocean. So a uh, Soviet submarine sank in the late 60s um, in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. No, um, off the coast of Hawaii. And and so the... the, the but it was like super deep. Yeah. The, the government basically contracted Howard Hughes to build what's called the Glomar Explorer, this, this marine, you know, deep sea, this marine vessel to, to pull stuff off the bottom of the ocean. And the cover story that he used was he was building it to basically extract manganese nodules off the deep sea floor. I'm trying to see the, the, the depths of it. It was, it was down there. Yeah, it was super. It like, and that's why the Soviets were kind of like, ah, Okay, like it, it was terrible. You know, a bunch of seamen died on that ship. But uh, weren't there also? It was it was a nuclear sub? Yeah, it was a nuclear yeah. sub. And and you know, there's you know, it was the Cold War, and people were, you know, the information was 
Did Crucial. they have nukes on like nuclear? Yeah, uh, they and the Glomar yeah. recovered uh, not not the main nuclear missiles, but a couple nuclear tipped torpedoes. Yeah, uh, yeah, they tried to uh, recover that was the they, whole. They tried lifting it up, right? Through yeah, the, but they couldn't get the whole thing. They got it, it pieces. Yeah, it broke coming up. Yeah, it, um, that's where the the phrase. I watched uh, the radio lab. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. It was. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, that's and, where that it, phrase came from. It came so from it was, yeah, the the government would say yeah, 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 exactly. Because they called it initially, and the the media called it Project Jennifer. It came out like the next year, and they said can either confirm it or not. It didn't come out until 2010. What the actual name was Project Azorian, um, which is kind of crazy that it took that long. I can oh sixteen thousand about five thousand meters deep. <laughs> Yeah, down there ways. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting story. Um, and then the Glomar Explorer, like, they never did anything else with it. Just was put put in dry dock. They they tried to, they they put it out for bid for people to do stuff with it, and they got a few bids. And Lockheed Martin wanted to use it as a mining vessel, but couldn't secure funding, which seems sort of silly because it's Lockheed Martin and the government didn't take any of the other bids seriously. So they just kind of dry docked it. And then that was that. Now there's another one called the Glomar Challenger. Is that why are they? That was a drilling vessel. Yeah. So glow was Glomar works. So, oh, the Glomar Explorer was um, actually built in Chester, Pennsylvania, in the in the shipyard. And in, in, yeah, yeah, um, that's where I went to high school. The, in Chester, the Chester, the not, Chester not, shipyard, not in Glomar, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Glomar Marine is now Trans Ocean, which famously built. Uh, didn't they build the, what was the, the oil rig that, uh, exploded in the, in the Gulf of Mexico? Oh, uh, oh, BP one? Hor- event horizon. Yeah. BP, yeah. Or, uh, uh, uh deep water horizon, deep water horizon, not event horizon. That was another movie from the yeah. late nineties. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were, that was, that was a trans ocean uh rig so global marine glomar was that was it started by howard hughes i don't know oh so glomar is the company that built the yeah global marine yeah okay 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 i got you yeah okay that then that explains why there's a glomar challenger glomar explorer because they just kept on building yeah cool um Um, but circling back to oceans yeah (laughs) What? What? We got. Um, um, you want to talk a little bit about the um, some of the different currents in the ocean, circulation, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the the oceans have all of the ocean water is moved by wind, right? 
So that's the the main process, I guess. It's not the only thing. I was going to say that. As we'll see. If it's moved by wind, you can ultimately say that it's controlled by the sun. Oh, you could. Well, I mean, the heating. It's not all controlled by wind, but I would say it's probably all controlled by the sun, though. Yeah. I'll give you that. So... The the main currents in the ocean are the, the large scale currents driven by the wind um are called gyres. Right. And and so um they're they're basically in in the northern hemisphere they're gonna they're gonna move clockwise and in the southern hemisphere they move counterclockwise. Coriolis. Coriolis effect. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know much, period. Uh, but I know I love you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I know the North Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I like to stay close to home. I'm a homebody. So we can talk about the thermohaline circulation. Yeah. Or the Gulf Stream, if you will. Um got pretty important climate implications it does and so i mean so the i guess i'll describe it in the north atlantic and then just it's sort of the the same idea carries over into the the pacific gyre which is uh, acts that essentially the same way but has much less climate implications and i guess i'll explain why here in a second so unless steve you want to take this i don't know no, no, no. Well, the Pacific Gyre has uh, less climate implications, but it has a uh, huge garbage in- implications. Yeah, yeah, it's the reason we have the patch. Yeah, but- yeah. It's so so the thermohaline. We can call it just the the Gulf Stream. You know, one of the first people to sort of describe the Gulf Stream, friend of the podcast, Ben Franklin. No, yeah. really? He he actually did a map of it. Yeah, you know, really? I'm a little. I yeah. lost some respect it's... for Ben Franklin. Let me tell you a little Ben Franklin story. Because of his air baths. Is... <laughs> no, I gained respect for him for that. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, you know, I got nothing wrong with an air bath. Carry on. Um, no, uh, supposedly, allegedly, the uh, the the kite story, the uh, with the key and everything, he somebody else did that, and he basically bought the rights from that person to tell to tell people that that was his thing. So Jeez. Ben Franklin never did the kite thing; he just paid someone off to say that he I, did the kite thing. I kind of knew he never did the kite thing. I didn't realize he paid someone. Uh, you know. Uh, um, does it diminish his allure a little bit? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but am I like? It, there were there were a lot of uh, really good scientific concepts that were not very well publicized, and therefore did no good. So I'm kind of okay with this famous person buying the rights to this thing and making it known to the public. You know what I mean? So he, you're saying, cause he had, um, 
clout. He had clout. cred. Yeah, yeah. He had street cred, if you will. Back in the day, yeah, it wasn't like we have now where everybody's got a voice on Twitter. You know, right? It's like, you know, most of the people were like farmers, I and mean, they just did their job or whatever. And you know, and and by back in the day, I mean like e- even as few as twenty years ago, like you could have a great scientific concept, but if you were a terrible writer or a terrible promoter it it just didn't get picked up that's almost what happened to james hutton we talked about that in the podcast almost didn't get his concept out because he was uh such a bad writer yeah anyway you know, and wagner but, yeah wagner was technologically limited though r.i.p he, he was uh if wagner was around 50 years later I think people would have been listening to him. He just didn't have the technology to prove to back up what he's right. saying. So that's why uh, that's why I'm I'm not I'm not so quick to uh judge Ben Franklin for uh quote unquote hijacking. You know what it is? It's kind of like when you hear about comedians that have people write their jokes for him, it's like, ah, oh, you didn't write that. I don't know. It's just like, sure, like, you know, I don't know. It is takes a little bit away, I think. Anyways, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's a geology podcast. It doesn't matter what my thoughts of Ben Franklin are. <laughs> so anyway, the Gulf Stream, he, yeah, was, the, he yeah. wasn't the first, he, but he, he was one of the early in the mid-18th century. And so essentially the Gulf Stream is, is this, it's a major current that <clears throat> that's running north. And it if you look at a map of North America, you can see where it, it hugs the North American continent and actually diverges off of North America moving towards uh, Europe uh, right around North Carolina. And you can see like the curve of the North American continent where the water sort of sh- shunts off. And I mean, it's a strong current. Um, 30 million cubic meters per second of water. Holy, I can't even fathom that. No, I don't ah, fathom. Uh <laughs> it's, it's sorry anywhere no from 50 to 70 miles wide and um two to four thousand feet deep so it's a huge just river of moving through the atlantic ocean and uh i did we i feel like we've talked about this recently because you know if if you look at where europeans landed on north america they either, you know, when, when they first came over to North America in the 16th and 17th century, they're either landing in, in New England or in the Caribbean. And it's mm-hmm. either north of the Gulf Stream or s- south of the Gulf Stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, you know, they're, they're wind-driven ships either had to go up and around it or, or down and under it that must have been i couldn't even imagine get over one of those ships and just because it would take how like two months three months something yeah like that. two to three two to three months i think yeah so oh, it, it was that's yeah 90 days on a ship to cross the atlantic i bet it smelled terrible right i bet that was probably the least of your worries <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, just just bad. I mean, so um, but with that, any, they didn't have Doppler radar back then, so no, it was kind of here not. we go off into the ether, you know, like <laughs> yes. 
some dumb wind ships. Yeah, but with <laughs> without this thermohaline, like if you look at it, like Portugal and Spain are are about par with where where I am right now in in, in Philadelphia. Like England, Same Ireland, France, uh, obviously the Scandinavian countries, they're like super far north. Like if you were to take that and just draw a line straight over, like you're you're in middle of Canada, like you're you're yeah. cold, but because yeah. of that thermohaline, uh, bringing all that warmth up to northern Europe, like that, you know, they they have mild climates. You know that's why Ireland is green because it's just yeah. Yeah. warm I think all the time. You, if you look at London, London's on the same line of latitude as Quebec City. We're pretty yeah. close to it. Yeah. So. So anyway, yeah, and kind of, kind of the 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 reason this is important is the Gulf Stream. It's carrying all this water, right? And so the water gets heated down in the tropics because it's getting all that direct sunlight, <clears throat> and then the water is being carried. That gyre carries it into the Gulf of Mexico, and the Gulf of Mexico is a really restricted basin. In that, essentially, for these ocean currents, there's one way in and one way out, and so it gets in there. And it gets sort of supercharged. It heats up because because it is so restricted. And then it 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 exits through the Strait of Florida between Florida and the Florida Keys and Cuba. And then that's you know the the Gulf Stream as we were saying. So you have all this really warm warm water, and it's the same idea. Like <clears throat> for those of us on the East Coast that grew up here, you know, if you go to the Jersey Shore in say June. The water, it could be 100 degrees outside, and the water is cold. Yeah. Like, hurts. It's cold. And, but if, if if you went to, say, North or South Carolina, the water is probably a lot milder, not as cold. And part of it is because of this warm current. They're benefiting from this warm current, and we're not. And so the water, this warm water, as it's traveling north and it's, it, it moves off the coast and, and then runs up near, um, like you said, Portugal and then up in, you know, France and, and Ireland and, and, um, Great Britain, that warm water is releasing that heat into the atmosphere and it keeps the atmosphere warm and keeps and puts moisture into the atmosphere so you have a really mild climate it's 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 you know mild and it's a lot wetter uh, uh um, most of the year because of this warm water current so God, then i thank the gulf of uh the gulf stream for making them so God, tempered over there in western Europe. yeah and so but by the time it gets up past say scotland you know it's released enough of its latent heat that the water itself has cooled off. And so it's, it's getting cold enough and right. Actually the Gulf stream just, you know, to, to get overcomplicated a bit before it, it, you know, when it gets to the same, say longitude as Iceland, it actually splits into two, but the, the main source of it goes up, up, up towards Europe on the, on the East coast between essentially, um, uh, Great Britain and and Iceland, you know, it's up between Scotland and the Faroe Islands, and then Iceland, and so it cools off. And so as it cools off, 
you know, you're getting up into the Arctic now, you're above the Arctic Circle, it starts to freeze. And so we all know that ocean water, when it freezes, it's only the fresh water component. Salt water will never freeze. Brian exclusion. On, yeah, Brian, Brian rejection. Brian rejection. Uh, Rejection. Yeah. Excuse me. And so I I shouldn't say salt water will never freeze essentially on Earth's surface. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. So what happens is that all of the the salt components, all of the ions, uh, the the salt ions get get rejected, get, get pushed away, and only the fresh water component will freeze. And so the water that's left behind that doesn't freeze gets saltier and saltier. And angrier and angrier. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the story of my life. Uh, <laughs> it's not true. Uh, so up, up in that little part of the world, the water there that gets left behind that doesn't freeze is getting colder and colder and it's getting saltier and saltier. And we all know cold water is more dense and salt water is more dense than regular mm-hmm. water. So now you have this really dense water and, and dense water will sink. And so the, the, the water starts to sink towards the bottom of the ocean. And so as it sinks down to the bottom of the ocean, it pulls the water that's on the surface with it because it's not going to leave a void. You know, it's like a conveyor belt starts to, to happen. And so it's pulling this water on the surface behind it. And that water gets pulled north and it cools off and it gets saltier and it gets dense, colder and it gets denser and it sinks. And then when that dense water hits the bottom of the ocean, only place for it to go is south. You're at the top of the world. And so you've, cre- you've created this, this conveyor belt now where you're dragging water north, it's cooling off and it's sinking. <clears throat> and that water, as it moves south along the bottom of the ocean, we call it um, bottom water. Deep, deep water um, real clever name yeah, yeah. very sci- very scientific yeah so when the when this bottom water um basically is going to move along the ocean floor until it runs into something uh and and the, the main thing it runs into is antarctica and then it it hits the antarctic continent you know a place for it to go is up the so Southern pops, Ocean, if you will, uh, yeah, pops back up, and you get what's called upwelling. There's a few minor places, say in South America, where it bumps in, and you get upwelling. A um, few other upwelling zones, but the main one is is Antarctica, and so you've created this huge loop or or conveyor belt, and because it's driven by temperature, the water getting, you know, warmer, colder, warmer and colder, and and salt or halite. We call it the thermohaline circulation, mm. and so it's yeah. it's a it's a main driver of climate in the northern hemisphere, at least in our little neck of the woods. No, so, and, and when when this thing gets interrupted, that's when we get major abrupt climate change, like ice ages and things like that, or or take us out of ice ages when things open up yeah yeah so the younger driest my my favorite of all climate episodes (laughs) yeah just hoping for another one 
bring it on. Did we it's do too, an episode on the Younger Dryas? Do we have a whole episode devoted to it? I, I don't think it was a, a whole episode, but ah, the grandest of all abrupt climate transitions. I love the Younger Dryas. No, we we've maybe definitely talked about it in several episodes, but I, I, it has not been a main topic. Of I think episode. when we talk about maybe glaciers, because Lake Agassiz is sort of the the the, the breakout floods of, of Lake Agassiz. So the Younger Dryas essentially, really quickly, is <clears throat> is just the slowdown or a shutdown of this conveyor belt. And the one way you can have have it occur is if if you alter the temperature of the salinity. And the easiest thing to do is alter salinity. So at the end of the last ice age, you're melting all of this ice, which is fresh water on land, and all that fresh water is pouring into the ocean. And the ocean can sort of, because of circulation, deal with it. Yeah, redistribute it. Yeah. But what happened was there was an ice dam that caused this one of these mega lakes, Lake Agassiz, these huge glacial lakes. So you impounded all of this water that that you know, formed over the ocean. And, and all of a sudden during this melting, the, the lake, uh, the, it, it basically broke its, its, its banks and, and poured into the ocean all at once. And so you, you have this freshening event where the water becomes really less low dense, really. <clears throat> it's not as dense as it was. I have a problem. A really less densening, less, really less lightning. No. Or, Lighter, yeah, no. In any case, the the water stopped sinking as much, and so you stopped pulling all of this warm water north. And in doing so, the climate got a lot cooler in the northern hemisphere and actually plunged the northern hemisphere back into ice age conditions. So this is at the end of the Pleistocene, into the Holocene. It's twelve thousand five hundred years ago, give or take. And so we're coming out of the last major glacial and we're warming up. And then all of a sudden it plunges right back into it because you stop pulling this warm water and you stop warming the air and it gets really cold again. Yeah. Well, it lasted about a thousand years. Yeah, kind of the premise for the day after yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. So they, they went a little, a little crazy, but the, the onset is kind of crazy. It was like 15 years to shut it wow. off it was really quick. So. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it, just think, one day, Steve is field camper of the year. Next thing you know, it's an ice age. That's where we're at. Right. That, that's, the span, that's the span we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Full circle. And on that note, uh, I, I'd say we wrap it up there. We got another. We got some other stuff planned. We'll take it over to the Patreon. Um, continue talking about... Uh, Maybe some oceans off of the Earth, somewhere else out in the solar system. Ooh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, come and Patreon just, member. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thanks so much for uh, tuning in to uh, the Geology Flannel Cast. Um, check us out at geologyflannelcast.com. A bunch of fun stuff up there. Uh, some merch, too, if you want to help out the podcast that way. Uh, coffee mugs, T-shirts, yada, yada, yada. Uh, check out patreon.com slash geology flannel cast if you want to help out the, the podcast that way we, we appreciate the heck out of all the yeah all man Patreon friends that uh that that help us out that uh sponsor us or that um 
uh, pledge every month. Thank you so much. Come hang out with us uh, over Zoom before the before and after the uh, the podcast and get some uh, some uh, Patreon exclusive content. So that's all there, uh, Jesse. Biggest question of the day. Biggest question of the day. So, what song are you taking us out? You with? have so many songs about oceans, about right? the water. I know. Like, you could go. I, at first, I was thinking, I was thinking under the sea. nice Ah, i'm all right with that yeah i think that i think that's where i have to that was the main one that kept popping in i was was also thinking uh come sail away by sticks oh that's another good one yeah i was just thinking the ocean by zeppelin but zeppelin i was thinking i was driving my car today i was like that's the song we gotta go out with no but um, i'm not gonna lie i'm going with under the sea that's not stuck in my head uh yeah down by the bay yeah there's there's yeah under the boardwalk under the boardwalk yeah <laughs> on my way to cape may <laughs> all right uh, thanks so anywho. much everyone for tuning in yeah and we'll catch you guys next time with yeah the... maybe one day we'll be able to afford the rights to these songs yeah <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but until we can, uh just keep on uh humming that in your own head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll see All you right. everyone. Bye. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thanks for stopping by.